Welcome to Multifamily AP 360, the show where we discuss 360-degree views on mindset, passive, and active multifamily investment. If you're looking for tips and strategies, or just want to learn from the experiences of others, both good and bad, then listen on. This is Multifamily AP 360 with your host, Ramakrishna Chunchu. Today's our guest is Reid Kirkenbauer from Investation. Welcome, Reid. Oh, thank you, Rama. It's good to be here. Awesome. Thank you very much, uh, Reid. Little bit about Reid. Reid is managing partner at Investation and co-star alongside Jim Carrey's 2001 hit film, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. For over a decade, Reid has such Asia for some of the world's top performing investments. He directs invest, uh, investigations, global research, and day-to-day -day operations, focusing on uncorrelated assets that will grow and preserve clients' wealth. So with that, Reid, you want to add anything to your background? Um, yes, uh, I manage investasian.com. Uh, we're an investment consultancy firm helping high net worth individuals diversify into frontier markets. I mostly manage real estate here in Southeast Asia, Cambodia, and Thailand mostly. And uh, yes. Awesome. So I guess you're born in LA and California and you acted in movies and you went to study Thailand, I guess. So share me that a little bit more about that you know why you choose that path yes so uh, well, when i was very young six seven years old i did television commercials in the u.s I did toys r us cracker jack sears uh companies like that and normally when you make a bit of money uh when you're a child uh, and i didn't get rich off of it but i was doing you know for a 10 year old i was doing okay uh and usually uh either the government or your parents hold on to that money in the meantime depending on how much money you make you might have an actual trust fund in my case it was something uh lesser than that and they won't let you have the money until or unless you invest it and that immediately led me to being becoming interested in investment because it was the only way i could get a hold of uh the commercial money until i turned 18 but i was young and uh you know i didn't really want to wait that long at the time so fast forward a few years uh and i was uh, i had already bought some property in the us i was very interested in the stock market and i was traveling when i was 18 19 years old about to go to college and I was in Thailand and thought, well, this is a place I could spend four years or so of my life, maybe. I found it a great place to live. The people are nice, lots of investment opportunities, very interesting place to live. I live in Bangkok, which is where I moved back in 2012 and still partially am today. I do real estate here in uh, Thailand, uh, in Cambodia, and increasingly all across the region. And uh, yes, that's just kind of a, a quick history of me. Awesome. So what attracted you from Thailand? At first, it was university. I went to, uh, I thought, well, if I am going to go to university, you know, uh, I mean, no matter where you go in the world, if you're taking especially an undergraduate course in economics or finance, you're coming out of a similar textbook as you would at anywhere in the world. You know, taking an Econ 101 course at Harvard, you're coming out of the same uh, textbook as you would at the University of montenegro or anywhere so i ended up in thailand mostly for 
the experience you can gain outside of school. So just seeing how business works in an emerging part of the world, seeing how, you know, getting some connections, which is often good for university. So I decided to go to the best school in, in Thailand, which I was the only American in my graduating class, one of few foreigners. And that, I think, kind of made me stand out and kind of offered me a perspective that few other people have. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So why real estate? Why Asia? Well, a lot of developing countries in Asia are propelled more by demographic trends than the whims of the market, so to speak. Stock market will go up and down. There's you know, a recession every few years, it seems, on average, if you look over a 50, 100-year time span. But you can't really tell the future, but the closest you can get to that is looking at demographics, which are hard to change once set in motion. So if you're looking at places like the Philippines, where the average age is 25 years old, you have a young, ed increasingly educated workforce, oftentimes in cases like Philippines, India, even Cambodia, to a large degree, people are able to speak English. So there's a lot of opportunities in these countries. And if you look at a city like Phnom Penh, for example, which is Cambodia's capital, it's a population of 3 million right now. It's expected to be 5 million by the end of 2030. So because of those merely demographic trends and people urbanization rate, people moving from rural areas into the city, that naturally drives demand for real estate and I think uh, is a solid basis for long-term investment. Got it. So apart from population growth, so what other factors you would consider uh, in selecting different markets in Asia? I would look at a city that is becoming, I like cities more than rural areas or resort areas. I like large capital cities. So Bangkok, Phnom Penh, Cambodia, Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. I like either the largest or one of the largest city uh, cities in any country um, and or its capital city. Uh, and that's hard to take away from a certain place. I mean, there's many nice beaches all over the world, especially in Southeast Asia. There's thousands of miles of unspoiled coastline. It's just a matter of where you decide to develop and set up a resort. But I mean, the Phuket or Bali of 20 years could just be any island in, in the world is the way I see it. There's nothing unique, so to speak, about any resort areas, but capital cities, large financial centers, I think those are the places to invest. And that... um in any country where demographic trends are positive, uh, I think that's uh, the cities are the places to be. Yeah, definitely. What, what is the minimum population size you would consider? Well, Phnom Penh has a population of 3 million, which by standards here in Southeast Asia are, are rather small. I look more at the future of a city more so than the population now. Although I, I would say uh, starting from some sort of a base is important. So I would say two, uh, you know, three, four million people is a good place to start. Awesome. So share me a little bit more about your company's portfolio and how did you get started? And tell me a little bit more about your team. How did you farm, you know? Well, originally, uh, when I moved out to Thailand and started going to university here, I was looking for investment opportunities. And Thailand is uh, is very much on the radar already. It's the Bangkok, it's uh, Thailand's largest city, is the most touristed in the entire world, even ahead of London and Paris during a normal year. There's about 20 million people, foreign tourists, who visit 
uh, Bangkok. So it's uh, already on the radar of tourists. And I started traveling around to places that are kind of uh, less discovered, Vietnam, Cambodia, Philippines, Indonesia, and figured out that really these are the places to invest. So I ended up next door, so to speak, next door from Thailand uh, in Cambodia, which is growing at a much faster pace. GDP growth over the past 10 years in Thailand is 3 or 4%. In Cambodia, it's about 7%. And there's uh, a lot more demographic trends in Cambodia's favor compared to Thailand. So I ended up in Cambodia where I started buying shop house apartments because Cambodia was a French colony. And there's older blocks that were built in 1940s, 1950s, and they're in solid structural condition, you know, don't have a pool or a gym. But what I did at first, back when I first started doing property in Cambodia in 2016, was buying these old shop house apartments and um, bringing them up to the standards of what expats would want, would want to live in. And I started off with renovating those. Now, increasingly, I'm moving on to larger apartment buildings and the like. So, um, yes, that's... Um, originally smaller units now trying to scale things up a bit got it so how did you farm your team there and uh, what, what is your business plan now well right now i employ uh the company i should say employs eight people and at first it was you know just me i was you know if floors needed to be mopped i would oftentimes go up and and, and do it myself and uh, we have people in charge of tenants we have a head of maintenance and of course property is very complicated. It's not just buying it, renting it out. You have to find the tenants. You have to keep things in good shape. There's a lot of logistical work that goes on, especially if you're doing renovation projects. So yes, I we employ people in all sorts of roles, people who find tenants, people who are in charge of renovation, construction, and there's a lot of different aspects involved in uh, in real estate. Yeah, definitely different aspects. So what other asset classes are you focusing? Are you focusing only commercial apartment investing or any other asset classes as well? Mostly residential, which is um we're uh, we're trying to diversify a bit more out uh, into especially commercial in the next year or so. But residential up until recently, which has done well in the past few years compared to many other strategies. A lot of people in the hospitality, hotel sectors all over the world have just um, done poorly because of COVID. But the residential units that I manage, for the most part, the tenants have, have stayed and we're, we've kept up 80% occupancy rates. So are you focusing on value-add deals or new construction, new apartment investing construction? Mostly value-added deals, buying older buildings built anywhere from 10 to 50 years ago, going in and uh, doing value-added renovations to the kitchen, bathroom, or sometimes just completely redoing the entire place. Yes, from the value-added in the past. In the future, I would like to buy land and develop it ourselves. That does, uh, obviously, it takes in a place like even in Cambodia, it takes millions of dollars if you want to buy a large piece of land and start developing skyscrapers so that's so that's very much a work in progress but it's something i'd like to do in the future got it what's your business plan how long are you are planning to hold these properties i think 
10 plus years demographic trends they they do take a while to play out oftentimes and for them to be reflected in the reality of you know the prices of, of the real estate market but i think um i could look back at this in, in five years and see uh that real estate prices have doubled or tripled and at that point it might be worth cashing out of some holdings it very much depends on how quickly prices appreciate and obviously i think i will or i think prices will appreciate or i i wouldn't be uh, in this market but what i've seen in other cities around the world is that when prices do go up uh, in any given market it happens very quickly and rapidly and there's not much time to react to it if you look at for example istanbul uh, Turkey or Dubai in in the past year, ever since uh, the war in Ukraine, prices have doubled, tripled in some cases, and it happened over about three or four months. So um, prices can stay flat for a while, and then there's a sudden spike in demand, or suddenly uh, their property is worth more than they thought it was. Rental market can tighten, which will lead to demand, higher yields. So, And all of that can happen in some cases very quickly. So yes, I think to answer your question, between five to 10 years, and it depends on the future of the market. Got it. Thank you. So what is the process of raising capital? So how, how you are bringing capital to your you know, uh, projects? For the most part, myself and existing clients, referrals, people who I'm already doing business with are the main sources of the real estate that I manage. Uh, the real estate portfolio I, I manage is uh, mostly private large part private. You have to be an existing client in order to work with us. But one thing I am working on increasingly is our consulting service, which helps what we work with people in that regard is helping them focus on stocks more so than real estate. So I do a lot of real estate. I also do um, a lot of stocks. I got my start off in the stock market in the US. And we do is help clients from Europe, anywhere else in the world, open a brokerage account in Singapore, Hong Kong, and uh, build a custom portfolio for them. And that's uh, another part of our business. Got it. Thank you. So you have any properties in the U.S.? No, not not currently. I did. Okay. So are you planning to invest in the U.S.? Maybe in the future if I fly back out there. I mean, it's a, it's a long flight. It's uh, from where I am anywhere between 16 and 20 hours. So uh, I think a lot of people, they need management if they're in the U.S. and want to invest in Asia. I think if I did that, I'd uh, have to hire a manager there. So maybe in the future. Okay, sure. So what's your take on real estate market all over the world in the last one year? Well, in a lot of, I guess in the past year in particular, things have largely been flat in most parts of the world. Ever since 2020, uh, there's kind of been a gap between, you'll see major international markets, uh, the U.S. in particular, cities like L.A., San Francisco, New York, London, and those have done very well since 2020, just uh, because of the nature of the you know, real estate demand and people, uh, you just saw a surge in, in buying all over a lot of developed markets. But in most of Asia, just because of travel restrictions mostly, markets have, they haven't really been negative since 2020, but have definitely been flat in the vast majority of cases. And a lot of that is just because of travel restrictions. A lot of countries in Asia, Japan, uh, Korea, 
practically all of Southeast Asia only began opening to foreign visitors, unless, you know, for, except for people who have a residence permit or something, they only opened to foreign visitors for around the middle of last year. So just recently have there been foreign buyers and really any sort of buying demand. The demand in a lot of these countries have just been um stagnant. But the inverse of that is whereas a lot of people in the US, Western Europe especially, are talking about a bubble in a lot of markets, uh, a lot of countries even starting to see a decline in prices in their real estate. I think things are a bit less inflated here in a lot of Asia, where um, prices uh, have been flat ever since 2020. And we're just now starting to see rising demand and foreign visitors return. Got it. So would you share any best experience so far? My best experience with property in general, let me think of a specific property that I either bought for myself or a client or managed. I, I think the best returning property that I've ever had any position in was a small, about 100, or I'm thinking of square meters, about 100, 100 square meters or 1,200 square feet for anyone in the U.S. flat on the top floor in what was, was what's the equivalent of Cambodia's version of Wall Street. And this was bought back in 20. 16. So I didn't know that the street would turn into such at the time. Obviously, we're talking a, a bit of a different scale between Wall Street and, you know, Cambodia's financial center. But the property, uh, there's only so many units on this street and it performed very well over the past uh, 2016. So about six or seven years that I've managed it. Okay. Cool. Would you also share any challenging experience? Challenging. I, I would say... When I first came out to Thailand in, in 2012, of course, I was relatively new out here and I bought a condo unit, which I would not have done so. I, I would not have bought this unit if I kind of knew the demand and the uh, sort of nuances of the market that I understand today. So I, I would take that as, I guess, a warning to anyone because a lot of people, they fly out to you know, they come out to as a tourist and they're all kind of caught up in the thrill of being a tourist. And, oh, I'm in Dubai, I'm in Bangkok, and they see all these condo ads. And uh, they kind of make uh, a lot of people, including myself at the time, make an emotional decision and get themselves involved in a market that they don't really understand. And that's what I did uh, over a decade ago when I first came out here. And I think that's a uh, an easy mistake to make and is one that I did. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So what was your plan for next, maybe three years or five years from your company growth point of view? And what's your take on current market situation? I would, um, over the next three years, I'd like to be involved in the real estate market of all sorts of countries, not just in Asia, but all around the world. I, uh, I've traveled a bit more, especially in the past year, since it's become easier and see a lot of markets just all over the world that I think have good potential. Istanbul, despite doubling in the past year, is still reasonably priced by global standards. I like Malaysia a lot. So, so there's several other countries I'd like to diversify into, whether for my own personal investments or for or for clients. And uh, yes, I think... Um, the future of the market largely depends on, on on where you are in the world. Even in the U.S. right now, there's uh, seems to, at least in recent months, be sort of a, a dichotomy where markets in, on the east half of the U.S. are 
doing fine and on the western half there's um you know la las vegas have i haven't lived in the u.s in 10 years granted but from my understanding is they're starting to see a decline so depending on where you are the, or where you're investing that's one thing that i try to um always drive home and remind my clients is that there your options are global you can invest anywhere in the world if you're living in florida you can just as easily buy property in vegas or anywhere in the u.s and you can likewise buy property uh, anywhere in the world. So yes, I think there's an investment for everyone. Yeah, thank you. And any personal habits that are helping you to be successful, right? Oh, I think just uh, staying motivated, eating well, being able to find something to look forward to in life, whether that's a uh, vacation you have planned or a nice dinner that you're, you're going to have the weekend, something to look forward to at the end of the week and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to have that nice steak dinner or whatever it is you like to look forward to. Cool. And share me in one learning or in any one decision that you took that impacted your life positively. I would say there's been a few times that I just showed up to something that I thought would not lead to anything, either took the right phone call, had the right, right meeting with the right person. And those times ended up being ha having great results and being it ended up being great for business or personal, my personal life or otherwise. So I think it's important to take all the opportunities that life gives you. Awesome. And any books that impacted your life? One of my favorite books is Nomad Capitalist by Andrew Henderson. And it's, um, I think, a very useful book. It's a book that teaches you how to internationalize your life, whether with regards to investing abroad, getting second residence passports, and how to not rely on uh, one's home country so much. Awesome. Anything else you want to share? Oh, uh, yes. I just uh, hope that everyone still relatively early in 2023. It's uh, just got to April. So I hope that everyone has a good year. And uh Thank you very much for having me on uh, your show. Awesome. And anything else, like, you know, your overall experience investing in, you know, Asian market, you want to add that? Yes, I think a, a, lot, a large uh, part of it is just uh, getting started, either opening a brokerage account to be able to trade in Asian markets. It's usually, I mean, especially if you're living outside the region, it's easier to get involved in stocks or real, than real estate. So I like uh, if someone is just, in general, looking to invest in Asia, I suggest stocks as, as a starting point. And from there, if you're looking to diversify more into property or private equity, a large part of it, just um, taking the initiative, getting the plane ticket and flying out here. I, I think the idea of travel is very, um, it seems like a, you know, a big thing to do in some people's minds to travel to the other side of the world. But really all it is, is it costs, depending on, I mean, you can get an economy ticket out to Thailand and back to the U.S. for about a thousand dollars right now. You get a hotel, you see how um things are in this part of the world, and you move from there. So I think taking the first step is important when and just um seeing the market that you're looking to invest in is uh, is a great start. Cool. And how can listeners can connect with you, Reed? I think the well, the website is the best way to uh, connect with me and read up on everything that I do. It's uh, investasian.com. There's over 200 articles with more constantly being added. And yes, the website's the best place. Sure, sure. Thank you very much, Reed. Thank you for sharing your journey, you know, 
born in Los Angeles and, you know, acting in movies and traveling to Thailand and, you know, studying and investing into Asian markets and sharing your best and challenging experience. Uh, really helpful. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rama. It was great to be here. That's the end of this episode of Multifamily AP 360, but we'd love to continue to help you on your journey. Head to ushacapital.com slash podcast to join our email list for more tips and strategies. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. This is Multifamily AP 360 with Ramakrishna Chuntu. We'll see you next time.